our country vowed to never forget 21 years ago. But those words require action. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has over 80 runs, walks, and climbs across America every year, plus dozens of more golf outings and barbecues you can be part of. There are so many ways that you can take action. Register for an event in your area or volunteer to start one. Do good and never forget by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years, and he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. I can't believe we are almost at the end of this journey. Like, seriously, we are five episodes in with only one to go. Man, oh man, we we once again, just like WandaVision, the penultimate episode, we got a post-credit scene. And guess what we got today? A post-credit scene. We get a finale next week. I am fucking ready. Let me tell you something. I know six episodes doesn't seem like a lot, but these episodes of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier have been longer than Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. So we go take what we got and we go work with it. You understand what I mean? Shout out to Betty Wright. Look, let's go ahead and talk about it because I got a whole lot to say about this episode. It's the bonus episode of me and you, the housewives and Marvel two. Let's do it. Hey guys, this is the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture and your mama's favorite black geek. I'm Kendrick, host of the Me and You, the Housewives and Marvel 2 podcast, a podcast that, through my own random and winding rants, discusses everything related to pop culture. Everything from reality TV, to the MCU, to the DCEU, to all of the hot topics being discussed on CNN, NBC, BET, ABC, and 123. Grab your wine glass, sit back, and get ready to cuss and fuss right along with me. Woo! Just like I did with a couple of my episodes of WandaVision, I'm going to give y'all some theories at the end of this episode. And they're all going to be specifically about not really how the finale is going to roll out because, I mean, I, I think we all know it's going to be an epic battle and, you know, stuff like that. I'm more interested in what Marvel fans really want to know. You know, when we get finales and when we get the end of movies, we want to know what the post credit scene is going to be and what it's going to set up. We like to know about the future of the MCU. So 
I'm super excited really about the post-credit scene next week because I feel like it can go a lot of different ways. There are a lot of different things that possibly might not be wrapped up next week and it might be very much on purpose. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to give you all a couple of things that I think just my my wild, ridiculous, random imagination has been thinking about. So we're going to... I'll end with that, though. But first, let's just do it like we always do. Let's walk through the episode. Let me give you all my critiques of it. You'll hear from uh, some of my favorite listeners throughout the episode. And let's just go ahead and get into it and talk about great value. Captain America fleeing the scene. While we might expect John Walker to like stay there and like revel in the fact that he just killed a super soldier of another, you know, nationality or, you know, a nationalist, whatever you want to say. We actually begin the episode with him fleeing the damn scene after ruthlessly killing this damn man, Nico, when he wasn't even the one that killed Battlestar. The shield is still bloody. (laughs) He's having these kind of deranged memories. He's hearing Lamar's voice. He's sad because he's lost his friend who rolled just as hard for him as Bucky and Sam rolled for Steve. He makes his way to the warehouse and he just drops to his knees. It's here that Sam and Bucky, a.k.a. Ebony and Ivory, they actually find him. He attempts to, you know, justify everything that he did, screaming that, they, you know, he killed Lamar. Boy, no the fuck he didn't. <laughs> Carly and her uh, orphan Annie Curls are the ones that killed Lamar. Not that man that you killed, the one that you could catch. Sam tries to reason with him, but he ends up, he, you know, ends the whole thing by saying, you got to give me the shield. Oh, see, you almost had him, but now that man is pissed off. If he doesn't want to do anything in the world, he does not want to give up that shield. Now he's defensive, saying, oh, you know, you're trying to trick me. He's like, no, you don't want to do this. And Bucky's like, oh, yes, the fuck we do. Right then and there, all hell breaketh looseth. The fight that ensues is absolutely amazing. Hands down, one of the best in the MCU. It's choreographed perfectly. It's like the perfect matching of energy. Though I did, I, I kind of felt like Bucky was unjustly punked for a little while. I don't know why. Like you a whole super soldier. You and John are both super soldiers. Why are you getting punked like this? Like what's the tea, friend? At one point, John throws Bucky so hard that his vibranium arm starts to actually go on the fritz, like electricity and anything coming out of it. I didn't even know that damn thing was electric, but that's another conversation for another day. Hell, at this point, it will at some point, that damn man gets on top of Sam and rips his wings off. Sam, <laughs> don't let that man chump you, okay? Y'all, Kurt Russell's son... <laughs> is acting the fuck out of this part okay the part where he holds up that shield over sam and says i am captain america and lunges it down it literally made me gasp like even though i knew damn well he wasn't gonna kill sam i i knew he wasn't gonna kill him but i just i felt that shit you know i felt that shit in my spirit he finally pinned him and then bucky comes then they both like pin him together And what I thought they did was I thought he broke his arm, but nah, it wasn't exactly an arm break. They at least got the shield back from him, though, that same bloody-ass shield. 
Sam's gonna <laughs> Sam gonna have to take a water hose of that shit when he get back to Louisiana and just stick it right in the bayou and and uh, uh rinse it off, get you a good sponge, a good uh, uh what they call it, a Brillo pad from the dollar store, get something because it's gonna take a lot to clean that motherfucker. Child, let me tell y'all something though. I'm so true crime. My true crime mind was about to come out in that moment. And I was about to tell that man the best best way to remove blood from a shield. I had to remember that he actually isn't a murder suspect or anything. Like, he wasn't the one that did that. I was about to turn this shit into an episode of How to Get Away with Murder. But I don't have to, I don't have to do that. Next, we see a ton of Flag Smasher followers. Not actual Flag Smashers. But, you know, like, in the past episodes, we've seen them get harbored by a lot of different people. Like, giving them sandwiches and beds and all kind of shit. A lot of their followers are being arrested. Bucky and Sam are in that same area where, you know, like where Carly was playing soccer with the kids. And I believe where like the memorial was held, all that kind of stuff. That same building where he had that conversation with Carly in the last episode. They're there. And I believe it was Torres who walks in while they're having a conversation about everything that's going on in the world. And, you know, he yells at the Bucky, hey, you got your sleeve back, child. That man had that damn sleeve ripped off so many goddamn times. <laughs> now, while that might be funny, this scene is actually important for a couple of different reasons. One, Sam asked Bucky, are you going to get Zemo as he walks out the door? Now, obviously, y'all know Bucky is a brooder, so he's brooding and he doesn't respond. Yeah, he's going to get Zemo. Like, we all should know that by now. He's going to fuck to get Zemo. As I mentioned earlier, though, John ripped Sam's wings off when he was on top of him in this very scene as Torres is telling Sam about, you know, the government taking over uh, because John Walker killed the man in front of all the cameras and all this kind of thing. And now it's a, a foreign citizen thing. He's actually looking in the bag that Sam had on the table and Sam's wings were inside as Sam is, you know, walking out of the door cause they finished their conversation. He only grabs the shield. He doesn't grab the bag with the wings in it. Torres is like, hey, bro, you left your wings, Blackbird. <laughs> well, he don't say that, but you know what I mean. Sam says, keep them in real, you know, a real monotone voice. Now, we know this is important because in the comics, of course, Joaquin Torres becomes the Falcon when Sam Wilson becomes Captain America. Very important. Did we just see a little foreshadowing? I think we did. Of course the fuck we did. What else is John <laughs> Torres in the comics, you might ask? Oh, nothing. He's just, hmm, what is it? A young Avenger. Now, see, he's not a part of like, the original team, but he becomes one, okay? So, we fuck with Joaquin. I'm about to call it Paul Joaquin. Joaquin Torres, okay? Now, see, this team, this young Avengers team is slowly starting to come together, okay? At this point, okay, hold on. Let's break them down. At this point, we have... Eli Bradley, a.k.a. Patriot. You know, we actually do see him again in this episode, but I'll talk about him when we get there. We have Torres now, a.k.a. Falcon. Even though I'm thinking they're going to go the same route as Sam and not involve genetics and all the different kind of stuff. So I don't think, like, Torres is going to be, you know, have some bird DNA in him and all that kind of shit. I don't think that's going to be involved. He just go fix the wings, I think, and then, you know, steal that man's shit. <laughs> so we've got Kamala Khan. That's three. She's coming at some point. 
she's not necessarily a young Avenger, but she's been a new Avenger. So we just go consider them the same thing. And I'm guessing because of the age, she's going to be a young Avenger. And her show is actually coming to Disney Plus this very year. We've already gotten like a sneak peek trailer of it. We met the twins, Wiccan and Speed, of course, in WandaVision. But I'm guessing we're going to get older versions of them soon enough. I don't know when, probably in... I don't know. Maybe there'll be a surprise in Spider-Man that comes out, you know, at the end of this year. But I'm guessing we'll have to wait until Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, we got Kate Bishop. So that make that brings us up to what? Six? Kate Bishop, a.k.a. Hawkeye. You know, she has her own Disney Plus series coming out soon. And then we have Cassie Lang. Now, Cassie Lang, we've met before in Endgame when she was older. We've seen the, the kid version in both of the previous Ant-Man movies. But now we know that her character has been recasted. So, obviously, obviously, if they wanted an actress that, like, you know, has some big chops and can, you know, uh, hold her own in a, a, a multi-movie contract the size of Disney, then we're guessing that she's going to become stature. They didn't need to replace her if she was just going to be a background character, you know, she's stature in the comics. So it looks like we got a whole little crew now. I don't know. I don't know if Hulkling is coming in at some point. Y'all know, uh, Hulkling is the child of Captain Marvel, but not that Captain Marvel that y'all are thinking of a whole nother Captain Marvel. We'll have to see. I don't know what this is going. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what road that's going to go in. Maybe we'll see it in another show or something, but for the most part, we got enough damn Avengers. Well, we got seven at this point, young Avengers. I mean, so the team is rolling people. The team is rolling. You get your, you, you heard it here first. You probably heard it here like 19th, but that's okay. You heard it here first. Just let me pretend you heard it here first. The young Avengers are coming to the goddamn MCU. Next, we get to see the actual trial of John Walker. See, he is ordered to no longer act as a representative of either the U.S. government or the damn U.S. military. He's been stripped of all of his titles, including Captain America. He wants to actually present evidence, but they don't even allow him to do that. They tell him that they only, only recommended him against a court-martial because of his, like, exemplary uh, military records. Y'all know they, they've been bragging about his military record since episode two. When he's not allowed to speak, he flips out he talks about how his entire life has been living by their mandates and uh he did it all he did it all well child that man up there behind the desk couldn't give a damn he continues on with his little speech and he tells him that he'll get no rank or any benefits when he's gone into retirement and then <laughs> once again john walker just has to say i am Captain America. And the man is like, uh, no, the fuck you're not anymore. That man continues to talk and tell him, like, you know, return the shield and giving him all these different directives. But John walks. See, you get it? Did y'all get that? John walks clean out of that damn building. He was not hearing that shit anymore. He was like, look, y'all disrespecting the hell out of me, even though you deserve all the disrespect that you get. He was like, y'all not go get disrespecting me, okay? He walked the hell up out of that courtroom. In the hallway of the same building that John Walker and his fiance is in, you know, where the, the actual court case is being held, is when Marvel comic fans and Bravo lovers <laughs> get a shock. Bravo lovers, not really, but 
Let me explain after I let Kaya from the Bravo Wild Black podcast ask about a very important moment that I'm about to get very much into. This is Kaya from Bravo Wild Black sending in a question for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast. Um, Kendrick, I know that there was a really big reveal of a new Marvel character. I didn't see it. Don't know who it is. Maybe because I don't really follow the comics. I don't follow the movies as closely as I should. Who the hell was the big reveal? Also, I just have a comment on Bucky. Bucky is definitely trying to have a Chet Hanks white boy summer, and I'm here for it, period. Well, Kaya, let me jump into it. When John and his fiance, girlfriend, wife, whatever the hell they are, whoever is the child, <laughs> we hear some heeled like boots click clacking down the hallway. Suddenly, Julia Louis-Dreyfus appears out of nowhere and introduces herself as Madam Hydra. Now, see, she doesn't actually say Madam Hydra, but for the sake of this episode, that's what the hell we're going to call her because I'm not about to keep repeating that long-ass name. She introduces herself by name, which is Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. But most of us know her as Madam Hydra when she goes off the rails in the comic books. Better yet, we just go call her Val, okay? Because Val even shorter than Madam Hydra. If y'all don't know, Lisa Renner actually played this character in a cheap-ass knockoff Marvel movie in the years ago. I think it was with, was it David Hasselhoff? Maybe it was some tragic shit. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Lisa Renner is my mortal enemy, so we don't talk about her on this podcast. How about I explain the scene first, and then I'll go back and give y'all a little bit about the character in the comic books. Okay. She talks about how she, you know, would have killed that motherfucker too and how no one is mad at him about that and, you know, how the suits in that building, you know, they all about that bullshit and, you know, basically giving him everything he wants to hear. She also lets it know that, you know, she's like, okay, I know you took the super serum, you know, it's no big deal. She says that that was the, you know, the smartest thing you could have done. The no, not the smartest thing. She said it was the second smartest thing that you could have done, but the first smartest thing is gonna be picking up the phone when I call you. And before she leaves, because you know she's setting up, not even letting them people talk, she's just going on about her business. She says that the shield technically doesn't belong to the government. Some kind of loophole. I'm guessing this is because it's made out of vibranium and it comes from Wakanda. I don't know. It, it's got to be something along those lines, but technically. There's some kind of loophole and he actually doesn't have to return the shield even at their request because it doesn't belong to the American government. Now, let me kind of tell y'all about the actual character in the comic books. I had forgotten all about this damn woman. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I have a couple of, this is how much of a, a comic book nerd I am. I have a couple of big ass encyclopedias in my man cave. So like one of them is like literally it's probably about two, maybe two inches thick. One is about like DC comics. The other one is Marvel comics. I got one about like the history of the MCU. I got a lot of like random encyclopedias in my man cave, you know, in case I got to look up some shit. I went to look her up. She didn't even have her own damn page. It was mostly, it was like a, a footnote in the, the shield Hydra section of the book. So it, she's not a major character you need to know, but she did make a, you know, a small little impact on comics. So let's talk about her in the actual comics. She was one of the love interests of Nick Fury, like one of the early ones. 
both of them were pretty high ranking members of shield at some point she got like romantically entangled with captain america which caused them to you know cause all kind of fights between uh nick fury and captain america maybe this is a little foreshadowing maybe she go get romantically involved with this version of captain america and go fuck up his marriage i don't know that ain't got nothing to do with me at some point though down the line i think it was a little a little bit of retconning i'm not sure but she actually becomes known as Madame Hydra. She secretly joins Hydra, the organization, but then at some point she actually betrays Hydra and then she joins Leviathan, which is like a, a terrorist organization that came to power during the uh like during the time of the Axis power. So though she like she's been in Marvel Comics for a long time, her story really isn't that deep. But like based on this episode, we're obviously not getting the shield contessa we're getting the bad 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 hydra leviathan contessa i don't know the question is though see this is why this is important the question is do we think that she's the power broker is she the power broker after all or is sharon the power broker i don't know we don't know who the hell the power broker is it could be a million people who the fuck knows but we have another person that it might possibly be or is she here for another reason which i'm going to touch on during my theory section of this podcast episode, we cut back to the place where Sam and Bucky were earlier in the episode when Torres arrives. You know, the place where Carla was playing the soccer and all like that. Basically, that safe haven for the refugees. They learned that everybody has been evicted for, a, you know, a lack of a better word. And the place has been shut down. Carly flips out and she wonders how many people were going to have to pay with their lives just to be citizens on this planet. Child, look, Carly is ready to fuck some shit up. Okay. She says now it's time cut to Sokovia and we find Zemo staring at a memorial statue and it's not like of a dictator or anything like that. It's of a family. Oh, I think think it's the same one we see in civil war i don't know but obviously the statue of the family means a lot to him because he lost his entire family and he blames the avengers and everybody else he can blame anybody super powered you know bucky actually walks up to him holding a gun zemo says don't worry i've decided not to kill you child it ain't no fun when a winter soldier got the gun okay he lucky you decided not to kill him oh, okay they insist he talks about Carly and how problematic she is and how he told Sam, but Sam is hard-headed, just like Steve, always wanting to reason with people. Look, Bucky don't give a fuck about none of that, okay? He, he don't care about none of that advice Zemo is giving out. Bucky cocks that gun and aims it right at Zemo's head. Bang! Pull the trigger. Not shit happens. <laughs> All the bullets are in his left hand. And he drops them all out on the ground in that moment. And right as they hit the ground, the Dora Milaje walks in behind him, ready to arrest him. I know the fuck that's right. Zemo tells Bucky that he crossed, he went ahead and crossed his name off his list. And then he's escorted by the Wakandans, at least two of them, uh, to the Wakandan ship by the Dora Milaje. Io stays behind and she tells Bucky that Zemo is going to spend his remaining days on the raft. Now, if you remember correctly, that's like that floating, it's floating in the water, that huge like 
I don't know, it's like it's floating jail, floating prison, high maximum. It's what they had Ant-Man, Sam, Hawkeye, all of them in in Civil War when they went against the Sokovia Accords. And of course, who was over the damn raft? Who was in the raft? Thunderbolt Ross. Now y'all know as we see, I'm gonna talk about that later. If you don't know who Thunderbolt Ross is, I'm going to talk about him later, okay? She also tells Bucky that he should, you know, it'd be wise if he make himself scarce in Wakanda for a while. And he says, okay, fair enough. I'm guessing this means that, you know, he won't be in Black Panther 2. Like, maybe we've seen the last of Bucky in Wakanda. Maybe we've seen the last of Bucky. I don't damn know. After next week's episode, I don't know how it's going in. Shit. Oh, well, you paid a price, White Wolf. You the one did the shit. It's important to note, though, that Bucky also tells her that he might need another favor from her, which we find out later in the episode. Obviously, I think we all know what it is, but I'll touch on that towards, you know, the end of the episode. Cut over to Baltimore, where Sam is coming to see Isaiah Bradley once again, and we get probably the best scene in the series, in my opinion, that's coming from a black man. I don't know if anyone else feels that way. I love this particular scene. He's coming down the street, and we actually get another Eli Bradley cameo, a.k.a. Patriot. Sam says he's coming to talk to his grandfather, and, you know, Eli's a little, you know, apprehensive at first, but he tells him that he's in the back of the house and that I'll be right there. <laughs> Eli, like, look, keep it cute, Sam, okay? This is Baltimore, as uh, Snoop from The Wire says. Child, man, depending on your age, you might only know Snoop from Love and Hip Hop, but, oh, Lord, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation right there. They, you know, they don't play in the DMV, okay? Shout out to everybody from the DMV. Sam goes back there and he talks to Isaiah while he's watering his plants at night. Now, listen, that's some shit that my cousin's grandma would do all the damn time. She did not play about watering them damn plants in that garden. Lord rest her soul. She had a hat that was bigger than uh bigger than Beyonce in that formation video. Like it's a big ass hat. And she would drag that water hose all the way from around back. And she'd be watering those plants all damn afternoon. Ma'am, you go drown them damn lilacs. Leave that shit alone. Sam walks up carrying the shield and Isaiah is like, bitch, I know you fucking lying. <laughs> and Sam is about to, uh, you know, take it out of the bag. Isaiah's like, uh, ah, ah, I don't need to see that. Them damn stars and stripes don't mean a thing to me. Okay. Sam tells him that he needs to, he needs to understand. He says, you already understand every black man understands you're just ignoring it sam says look don't do that bitter old man shit with me and isaiah's like if you ain't bitter you blind now that's it there <laughs> y'all this scene and the extension of the scene everything that follows this is so damn good because it gives you like a clean dichotomy between black men who were raised pre and post civil rights while like some black men might be foolish enough to how do I say it might be foolish enough to excuse problematic things that people do or convince themselves that you know things have truly changed despite the number of things we see on social media or uh, the news or experience ourselves in real life men like Isaiah men like my own grandfathers have had entirely different viewpoints and experiences on life in this country. 
in an effort to like kind of change things for the better in this country and to, you know, set up a society where hopefully, hopefully their grandkids like me would be afforded basic human decency and basic rights that were afforded to all men and women, regardless of race, they were hosed, they were beaten, they were lynched, they were stabbed, they were raped, they were curb stomped, and they were everything else that you could possibly think of here. You know, listen, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about some stuff they used to do in the military to the black men, but we go, we go say that for video time on Instagram. Okay. Story time. This is so random, but I always think about this time when I was probably like in undergrad and I was home for the summer. My cousin at the time was living with a girl who was white. And she was like, you know, really good friends with her from college. She brought her over to one of our many like family functions. You know, she didn't bring no potato salad. Y'all so messy. (laughs) And we all know her, you know, super well at this point. You know, we in there laughing, cussing, joking, eating, cussing and fussing, slurping and burping. We do all kinds of things. We just having a good old time. The only difference this time is that my grandfather who was no longer like really able to live by himself at the time. And he was staying with my aunt who was hosting a function. He was there the next day when I was over and my cousin was, you know, over there again, she asked him what he thought about her friend. He said, that girl don't mean you no good. And of course, like we all just like cracked up thinking like, Oh God, grandpa being crazy again. And she's like, you know, grandpa, we actually called him grumpa, (laughs) grump dad, because he was mean as hell our entire damn lives. But God rest his soul. I'm not going to talk about the man like that mean ass. She, (laughs) she said, granddad, that's my best friend. I love her. And he goes, well, guess what? She doesn't love you. Now, child, my grandfather lived like through so many different eras in this country and had absolutely no interaction with white people that weren't negative. And so, like you know, in his earlier years, he didn't really leave the house much and all like that. So his only, his main interactions with white people were whew, decades and decades ago. Okay. So he was basing his entire experience on his past and projecting them on their friendship. Now we, of course, we can see why this is happening though, because of direct experiences. See those Sam and Isaiah or my cousin and my grandfather have lived through entirely different experiences. My granddad and Isaiah have had similar experiences in this country, both of course being military men. That's one thing, both being black men. So black military men who came back to their countries after fighting for them and were absolutely hated. So this was, you know, this was par for the course for them. And it 100% shaped every ounce of their worldview. Sam tells Isaiah that he doesn't get it. He's like, you know, he's still wondering what went wrong. Isaiah said, I used to be just like you until I saw men like the red tails came home to crosses burning in their yards. Now see, If you don't know the Red Tails, he's referring to the Tuskegee Airmen. You know, they were black pilots in the military who broke all types of stereotypes because people genuinely did not think that black people could serve as pilots in particular. Sam is like, look, I get it. I'm from the South. But how could you (laughs) 
you know, he's like, you could have been, you could, you know, he's, he's about to say something that's going to offend the hell out of Isaiah. And Isaiah has to stop him. He's like, wait a minute now. I could have been the next what? Blonde hair, blue eyes, stars and stripes. He said the whole world had been chasing after making another Steve Rogers. I'm, I'm basically paraphrasing at this point, but this is what he's trying to say. The world has been chasing after making another Steve Rogers and don't, you know, nothing really stuck. And they're doing all this kind of stuff to make this next man. And they're basically leaving everybody else in the dust. Sam says, okay, Steven didn't put you in jail. This is when he, they take the conversation on the inside. He shows Sam all types of letters and photos and tells him how they didn't let him have any of his wife's letters while he was in jail. They let none of them get to him. He details like, you know, a lot of different stuff that went on. He's talking about how uh, they would shoot them up with the super soldier serum, but they wouldn't tell them, you know, the black men, what they were experimenting on them with, what it really was. They would tell them like, okay, this is tetanus. You know, not really telling them it's a super soldier serum and that, you know, most of you motherfuckers might not make it. They were sent out on missions, even though everybody wasn't even stable at this point. So, of course, everyone is slowly dying off. The rest end up getting captured, like, while they're on a mission. He said he heard the government talking about blowing up the camp, like, blowing it up to hell, instead of actually going in and saving these black men that he fought beside. He wasn't going to let that shit happen. So he bust out of the facility one night and he brought them back home. Now, see, come on, Isaiah. That's what the fuck I'm talking about. Sadly enough, though, even though he did all of that, most of those men ended up dying somewhat immediately. Some lingered for a while, but he ended up being the only one left. The only thing he got from saving their lives was experiment after experiment after experiment performed on him for the next 30 years. They couldn't figure out why the super soldier serum worked on him. Finally, a random nurse took pity on him after seeing him like go through this shit for so long. And she had him declared dead. And that's basically like why he's sitting before Sam today. And that's who gave him all those letters from his wife that he had never had. He thought that like, you know, he didn't know what the hell had happened, but she had written him all these letters and they just never gave them to him. So she taking pity on him, gave him all the letters. Sam, of course, you know, wants to tell people that Isaiah is alive, but Isaiah like, uh-uh, hell no, fuck that, leave me dead, <laughs> leave me dead. He said that Sam really thinks that shit is different, but it ain't. Shit is really the same. If Sam mentioned that Isaiah was alive, he'd be dead within a day because they wouldn't want his story to actually get out there. He says they'd want to erase him and his history, but they've, you know, been doing that for 500 years, child. Come on, Marvel Comics. That's what the fuck I'm talking about. Y'all better come on. Then he ends with the, uh, they will never let a black man be Captain America. And if they did, no self-respecting black man would ever want to be. Now, see... That's the shit I'm talking about. Y'all saying some real shit right now in Marvel Comics, and I'm appreciating this shit. It's incredibly sad, but it's what's happening in real life, and this what's happening in this country for centuries and centuries and centuries. Let me actually, I'm going to throw it over to Katie from Kentucky, who had some amazing thoughts on this entire conversation between Isaiah and Sam. Hey, Kendrick. It's Katie from Kentucky. I was just 
voice memoing in to discuss today's latest Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I think one of the biggest moments that hit me was obviously when Sam was talking with Isaiah and he was talking about how he worked for the government. He did everything that they wanted that he did the serum and he he followed every law and they locked him up and they tested him and they essentially they tortured him all because he didn't die from this potion that he was given but on the flip side it starts with fake captain not being court-martialed basically being told yeah you killed somebody in cold blood but we're gonna let you walk out of here you're welcome it's just sad and upsetting And I think that it speaks volumes to the racial issues that have been highlighted throughout the entire series. And it's given a glaring, glaring comparison of how a black super soldier versus a white super soldier has been treated throughout the history of this program, especially considering that Isaiah was given to it legally in the sense that the government controlled it, whereas John took it illegally and should never have gotten his hands on the serum to begin with. Um, I think that in today's time too, especially with everything that has happened in the last couple weeks, it's even more glaring and obvious of all of the racial inequity and how far even in the Marvel verse we have to go still. And it, it, I just, it, it made me so sad and it was probably one of the most emotional episodes I think that we've seen so far of Falcon and Winter Soldier. By the way, I think this is going to be the subject of my next video on Instagram. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, what the fuck are you waiting for? See, last week I did a quickie with Kendrick video all about the Dora Milaje. But I think I want this one to be about the parallels between like what happened in, you know, Marvel Comics to black soldiers and what really happened to them in real life and how the two are not too, you know, far off from each other. So follow me at Housewives Marvel Podcast on Instagram and go check out that video. And then so you don't miss any more, go ahead and follow me. See, right now I'm committing to like, you know, one video a week, but hey, you never know. I can I can at least promise y'all that one, but child, you know, two y'all pushing it now. Hell, I already put out two episodes of this damn podcast twice and work a full-time job. Y'all will be okay. Sam returns to New Orleans and he finds out that they can't even sail the damn boat because the man doesn't want to buy that raggedy piece of shit anymore. (laughs) Sam says, you know, don't worry, I'm going to fix the boat. Sam asks Sarah, how many people still owe mama and daddy? She said, bitch, everybody, every damn baddie. Sam starts making calls to everybody in the neighborhood and all them folks like, hey, oh, hi, Mr. Falcon. Hey, Blackbird. You know, all that polite, nice shit. Then he starts asking for money and parts for the boat and all kind of shit. I'm surprised they didn't hang the fuck up right when he called their ass like I would have. But see, everybody loved his parents, so everybody wants to help out. Now, that ain't that nice. This is when we actually see Bucky show up in New Orleans dropping off the quote-unquote favor 
from the Wakandans. It's in a really nice, fancy briefcase that obviously contains some amazing content. Now remember, flashback time in Infinity War, when they told T'Challa that they were coming to Wakanda because they needed some help removing Vision's Mind Stone and, you know, what all was going on with, you know, Thanos and all that kind of stuff. T'Challa shows up at the hut where Bucky was, you know, sleeping or living at the time. And he showed up with a briefcase. Inside the briefcase was the black and golden, beautiful vibranium arm that he has now. So we can obviously kind of infer that inside that lovely case is what I would assume would be a lovely comic book accurate costume fit for Sam Wilson, Captain America. So I'm guessing they're going to do their own kind of design on it. I don't know. Maybe it'll look just like the one in the comics. I don't know. But I'm guessing it's, you know, some new wings, new outfit, new everything, all kind of, you know, vibranium guns. It's going to be a whole new vibe for Sam, I'm guessing. Child. Then we see Bucky flirting with that man's sister. <laughs> Bucky, you were on a whole country filled with black women, and now you in America trying to get all of that black kitty cat too, see? You can have the black kitty cat in Wakanda, but you can't be continent hopping trying to get all the black kitty cats. See, you you know what? The way my DM's set up, y'all be talking about Bucky. Y'all, you know what? <laughs> Let me stop because I'm about to tell all y'all damn business. Let me quit. Next, we get a <clears throat> Ebony and Ivory montage. Y'all like that? I'm going to sell that shit to Disney. We see them working and cleaning the boat, discussing Zemo and Torres and Carly, yada, yada, yada. Then Bucky basically, in a roundabout way, invites himself to stay with Sam and the family overnight. Their dynamic is slowly getting better and better and better. And I think this is what the fans have been longing for. See, everybody wants Steve's best friends to become best friends. Let me <laughs> let me let you hear from Tina to actually talk about this uh, 80s sitcom kind of friendship that they have brewing. Hey, Kendrick, this is Tina from Salinas, California. I finished episode five, and the one thing that I feel like I loved was that I am so thankful that Captain America, Steve Rogers, gave us his two besties because I loved watching the dynamic between those two and seeing them, even though they kind of say they're not friends, they're friends. So, yep, that's what I have to say, and... I guess that last ending clip, are we going to see Sam come out full-blown Captain America? Because I kind of feel like that's what Bucky did. Like, he's going to have the blue, white, red stars, but Falcon uniform? Is that is that what's going to happen? All right, let me know. Bye! That's my prediction, too. I, I can't imagine anything else being in that briefcase other than stuff that like we've seen before. So like, you know, Bucky got the arm in the suitcase. I would imagine they got him a whole new costume, you know, since his wings broke off and stuff. I felt like that was Sam's, not Sam, Bucky's way of kind of, you know, not really saying I'm sorry, but, you know, giving, getting the man's from, you know, I don't know, doing the work, I guess. Hell, who who knows? I think that's what it's going to be, though. I think we're going to see, you know, we ended WandaVision with seeing a whole new comic accurate, but, way more modern 
insanely beautiful costume that she had on. So I would imagine that this show ends the same. Now, I don't know if Bucky is going to get that same moment, but this is really more so, even though we've seen both of their personal journeys, it has little, it's focused a little bit more on Sam this whole time, especially with everything he's been dealing with becoming the new Captain America. So I would assume we're going to see him. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a new design. Maybe it's going to be, you know, like the black flag. I don't know. <laughs> the Jamaican flag. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That's one of the things I'm excited to see, though, in the, uh, the final episode, what the actual costume looks like. Cut to John Walker at Lamar, a.k.a. Battlestar, his family home, lying to all these damn people. He says that the person he killed was the one that killed Battlestar, lie, and how he hopes that they actually can find some peace in there. See, that low-key tells you why he was building that cheap-ass costume at the end of the episode so he can go after the real person who killed Lamar, and that's Carly. Lamar's mama starts going on and on about how Lamar, you know, loved him and loved being his partner and all this kind of stuff. All of them are crying. And he says, you know, if you need anything, beat me 911 and call me on my cell phone. I'll call you back to see what you go to. See, I don't know about the 90s. I just, I'll be on here singing to myself, really. That's why I replay these episodes because, you know, in my mind, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm genuine in the 90s, but... I'm really more like the child Flavor Flav in the 80s. Let me stop. Back to Sam and Bucky. I love that they're actually spending all this time together. Steve's two best friends. Oh, <laughs> Low-key becoming best friends themselves. They're fixing the boat together, and clearly Bucky doesn't mind helping and sticking around and kind of, you know, getting a sense of normalcy. You know, he mentioned in, I think, the premiere episode that the only kind of sense of peace he ever had was in Wakanda. So it, it feels good that like you <laughs> once again, surrounded by black folk that he's getting a little sense of normalcy. See, I think it's a black man trapped inside of uh, Bucky, but we'll, we'll work that out with his psychiatrist one day. Then we see them practicing, throwing a shield around together. Sam talks about, you know, the legacy of the, the shield. And this is when we finally hear Bucky confirm that he knew Sam was going to be given the shield by Steve. Now, see, he says, when Steve told me what he was planning, I don't think we understood what it felt like for a black man to be handed that shield. How could we? I owe you an apology. Now, I love this moment in itself. I love that he were actually hearing, you know, one of them acknowledged that, you know, we might not have necessarily thought this all the way through. But more importantly, it sounds like he was as involved in this decision as Steve was finally kind of invalidating all of the online chatter from the toxic ass comic book community about Bucky being the only one who deserved the shield because racism. Okay. He talks about how, you know, he didn't understand him giving away the shield initially, but that, you know, the shield kind of felt like family to him for some for some odd reason. I don't know. And that he felt like once he had given it away, he had nothing left. This is when he talks about having Steve's book and how he thought it would work for him. But obviously it isn't. He tells him that, you know, Sam tells him that Steve is gone. It doesn't really matter what Steve thought because Bucky needs to stop thinking about what others want for his life. He asked him, are you still having nightmares? And of course, Bucky's like, yeah. 
And that means that in his mind, at least it means that he's still the winter soldier. Sam absolutely disagrees and said, you're having those nightmares because you need to do the work, not just make amends. He said that the boy needs to avenge, not amend. I know that's right. (laughs) Come on, put that shit on the shirt, Sam. We're seeing why Sam actually like worked at the VA because he really knows how to talk to people who have been like, they've gone through war and have all these kind of internal questions and conflicts about the actions that haunt them from the past. Remember, he was the one who was actually talking Carly down on an alpha ledge before John Walker burst in like a damn fool and ruined the episode last up, you know, last week. They joke around and call each other everything but friends, but I think we all know that they're friends at this point, and I think we all love to see it. The next scene is why I fucking hate people. They done did all this and fixed this boat and borrowed all this shit from people and money and all this, tried to get bank loans, and now they don't even have the heart to sell the boat. I know you fucking lying. (laughs) Then after a brief, like heartfelt brother, sister conversation between Sam and Sarah, we actually get a whole black man training montage. I'm going to say that shit. It is. too. I'm going to be rich by the end of this shit. Y'all just watch me. Sam is protect. You know, he's practicing with the shield, throwing it all off, you know, different trees and off of uh, boat posts, all kind of stuff. He's running all through Louisiana. He's doing backflips and full twisting layouts like he uh, damn Gabby Douglas <laughs> training for the Olympics. There's a lot of shit going on. But I guess when you're an Avenger, you got to do that kind of training. I'll, I'll never know. But, you know, more power to you, Sam. We get a brief scene. <laughs> I was about to say Sharon's scene. I don't know. We get a brief scene of Sharon, a.k.a. maybe the power broker, a.k.a. maybe working with the power broker, a.k.a. who the hell knows, <laughs> talking to Betrock on the phone and telling him that she has a job for him and that she'll pay double. This leads directly into the scene where Carly and another flag smasher, I always forget his name, they're having a meeting and then Betrock arrives with... uh. I don't know if it's explosives or what it is, but he arrives with something that looks dangerous in a briefcase. I'm telling y'all, them briefcase, they either good or bad. No in between. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, a wide statement, but y'all know what the hell I mean. He may, he says, you know, look, I'm not here to join your little movement. I'm here to kill Sam. The other flag smasher is concerned because he said, you know, why are we getting with the likes of him? We're not criminals. And Carly's like, uh, according to the news, yes, the hell we are. <laughs> Child, they do that damn thing where they send out the signal on the phone and random people all around them are ready for action. Random flag smashers all across the world. They've now hijacked the GRC. No, the what is it? Yeah. Global Repatriation Council. Yeah, the GRC in New York. And Sam already knows that that's where the attack is going to be because he's watching the news when uh, Joaquin says that there's been a ping in New York. We see Sam finally go back into the room and open up that briefcase that Bucky gave him on behalf of the Wakandans. And voila, magic. We don't see what's inside that damn magic, but obviously... It's the costume that, you know, this series has been leading up to. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. So I don't know. I would assume that's what it is. But we're going to find out at the very beginning of next episode. 
I asked you guys on Instagram earlier this week if you thought we were getting a post credit scene that was going to set up the finale. I think about 60 of you guys said, yep. And then the other 40% said, nope. <laughs> well, plucklickety. guess what? We got a post credit scene. John Walker ass is somewhere in a, a damn tool shed building a shield and a whole ass costume using all his own stuff like his medals from his uh his his time in the military and all this different stuff. Child. First, he was the fake ass Captain America. Now he building this whole costume with just a few tools in his shed. Now he want to be the fake ass Iron Man. Girl, I guess. You know what? Uh, John Walker, I'm sick of talking about your ass. Let's go ahead and get into a couple of these theories that I have. I have a couple of theories that I think might play out in the finale. Now, my theories are mostly pertaining to the post credit scene. You know, I think, uh, I think the biggest thing we're going to find out on the finale is, you know, whether or not Sharon or Julia Lewis Dreyfus, whether one of them is going to be the power broker. Who knows? You know, we've retconned Carly, so it would make sense if they retconned, you know, the power broker into a female character. I'm more so interested, you know, and we'll see a lot of fighting battles and we'll see if, you know, Sam's story wrap up a little bit, Bucky's story wrap up a little bit. But I think they're going to be in the MCU for quite a while longer, so I don't expect them to have a lot of wrapping up in their stories, if you know what I mean. I'm mostly concerned about the post credit scene like any other Marvel fan is. Now, look, I have five possible things that I think could work out in these post credit scene in the finale of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Number one, I think somehow Joaquin and Eli are going to end up meeting each other. Now, you know, we've this is the first show I think we've gotten with the exception of WandaVision where we've seen two different young Avengers actually be on the same show. So it would make sense to me if by some like happenstance, they actually met and they got to know each other. And, you know, it kind of sets up for this little team. Maybe we'll get the first like handshake of this team being formed. I don't know. Number two, maybe we get like a little mini story in the post credits where some kind of accident like a shooting or getting hit by a car, something happens with Eli where they have to rush him to the hospital and they need blood. And the only person that can donate blood to him is of course, Isaiah Bradley. This blood transfusion with the super soldier serum is then going to give Eli his powers. And then we'll finally get to see Patriot in the MCU. That's just a little theory. Now that's a little far fetched, just like my other one, but if you didn't come here for far-fetched, then you came here for the wrong shit. So I don't know what to tell you. Number three, I think we might end up on the raft, you know, where uh, Zemo wound up this episode. We're going to end up there. We're going to see a whole lot of other super villains that we've seen in the MCU in the past. All of them are going to be there and maybe some new people that we haven't seen before. And I think Thunderbolt Ross or Julia Louis-Dreyfus is going to be there. And one of them is going to be forming a supervillain team. Now, I don't know if this team is going to be people to directly go against like the Avengers or the Young Avengers or whatever. Or if it's going to be like a Suicide Squad type thing where they're all villains, but they all got to work for greater good. I don't know. We'll see. We might get, you know, even see 
the formation of the Thunderbolts. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Number four. Maybe we get to find out what's actually going on in Wakanda. Obviously, Wakanda has been a big part of the show as of the past couple of episodes. I think we've all had like ridiculous reactions every time Adora Milaje or anything Wakanda related popped up on this show. Maybe we'll actually get a little sneak peek as to what's going on in Wakanda and how it's going to set up the movie that comes out next year. You know, obviously Chadwick Boseman is gone. Lord rest his soul. Maybe we get a hint as to like what what's actually going on in Wakanda. Is he still alive at this point in the MCU? We know they're not going to recast him. So maybe we get a hint as to like, you know, the king of Wakanda has passed or something. I don't know. I just want some kind of hint of like what else is going on there. Or maybe we get something about Shuri or maybe someone else from Wakanda shows up. I don't know. Number five. Last but not least. We saw earlier in the episode, Wanda, not Wanda, chat. Zemo was in Sokovia staring at the statue. Even though it was kind of like a body of lake behind him before, uh, what's the boy named Bucky showed up pointing his gun and stuff. I'm wondering if you remember the scenery behind Wanda when she was in that last scene, when she was doing the astral projection and uh, reading the book and all like that, she was out there like in, you know, nature and stuff too. I wonder if they're in the same place. Like, I wonder if she's on a different side of uh, Sokovia and she's gone back there because that's where she's from. And she's doing all this reading and researching to kind of, you know, see what's the tea, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Those are my five predictions. I'm hoping one of their asses comes true. I won't, all of them to come true. <laughs> Maybe we'll get five post credit scenes. I don't know. I doubt it. The most we ever really get is like two or three. And that was like in the heyday. So I don't know if we'll get that many. But those are some good suggestions. I think nobody has hyped me up. But we'll see. Y'all, I'm excited for the finale. I hope y'all are too. If you haven't done so yet, if you just want to do a little extra reading before the finale comes out. This episode, I love this conversation between Sam and Isaiah so much. Go and read The Truth, Red, White, and Black. It is such a good little comic book run. It tells you all the backstory about Isaiah Bradley. And you'll get to see how it changed a little bit in the MCU, but how it's still so great. You know, read you some Young Avenger comics. I keep telling y'all, I need to get paid by Marvel Unlimited because I always push Marvel Unlimited on this show. But I love Marvel Unlimited so much. Go read you some Young Avengers comics. You can see what I'm talking about when I say that we might have a team slowly forming. I don't know. Read you some Thunderbolt comics this weekend so you'll see why people think that uh, there's a supervillain team slowly maybe being formed in the MCU. I don't know. We've gotten the raft mentioned now. It makes sense. You guys, that's all I got in me. I gave you everything I had. I'm hoping you enjoyed this episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier as much as I did. And I hope you're going to enjoy the finale as much as I'm sure that I'm going to. And just like that, see you. As always, thanks for listening. Want to support me for free? Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or CastBox and leave me a five-star rating and review. Need to contact me? Just email me, housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and all kinds of updates regarding the podcast. 
That's at Housewives Marvel Podcast. This is Kendrick, and I'll see you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.